0: that has conquered death and hell for you and I. He is a king worthy of our praise. You may be seated. I'll tell you what, these guys get me fired up. I don't know how much energy they have, but they're ever ready batter- bunnies up here. And I, I appreciate it so much. First of all, I want to thank all of you who for making it through our, uh, my wife, I think she said it's the second winter. Like we had a fake spring, a false spring, now we have a second winter. So I want to thank you guys all for being here. A foot of snow, obviously, the day before church. It's always like that. Snow always falls before church, but you guys are the faithful. I want to thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, make sure you drop by the Connection Center. We're honored that you have come. To serve and to worship with us because we are fired up about serving our King Jesus. And so I'm glad that you have come here to be with us. We have a several announcements to make today. First of all, don't forget that n- next Sunday is spring ahead, right? So don't forget about that. Spring ahead is next week. Also, I want to announce to you guys that Men's Advanced Weekend Retreat uh, is March 25th and 26th, it's $100 a person, you must be 16 years of old age uh, or older to be a part of it, you can register online at abt.church backslash men, men in the house, I want to encourage you to come, I'm going to be there, we're going to be sharing about what it means to be a man of God, what it means to make a difference in your family, in your community, so I hope that you will be there, I believe that God will challenge your heart, please sign up and be a part of all of that. Well, if you didn't realize, March, we are emphasizing missions. March is all about missions, global, local impact. And so we are going to be spending all month talking about it. So watch this. let's watch this video and see what it's all about. Hey,
1: I'm Spencer Moore. I'm one of the pastors here at ABT, and I want to introduce a new department that we have at our church. It's called the Local and Global Outreach Department. The goal of this department is to provide opportunities for you to get involved in what we're doing outside the walls of the church. We'll be dedicating the month of March specifically to missions here at ABT. We want to equip you and inform you of the opportunities that you can get involved, both locally and globally. During the month of March, we'll have a team of people in the lobby providing various opportunities for you to be able to serve. Our goal is to inspire you to seek one of these opportunities and be engaged in what it truly looks like to be a city
0: on a hill. Yes, so, We have a whole, listen, we're changing and revamping the whole idea of missions in the global and local outreach, what it looks like for us to be impacting outside these walls. Do you realize there's a whole world outside these walls that's lost? Yeah, I hope you you realize that because it feels like it's trying to creep in these walls, and we need to bust these walls down and get out into the community. So you're going to notice that out in the lobby, there are booths. And every Sunday, there will be groups that are out there that are impacting our city or our country or our world with the gospel. And so I want you to drop by, introduce yourselves, find out what they're all about, because that is what it means to be involved in global and local outreach. And so I'm asking all of you to engage in that. As you know, we do a lot of of global outreach, so let's watch this video and see what we did in Guatemala. Hi guys, I'm Renee, and I work on the missions team here at ABT,
1: and I get to tell you all about how we used our Christmas miracle offering in Guatemala. In Esquintland, Guatemala, there's a few hundred people that live in an incredibly impoverished community, and we support them through a ministry called the Land of Hope. At the Land of Hope, we were able to support their soup kitchen and the remodel of four transitional living homes for single moms. In another district in Guatemala, we finished another
0: remodel project for two missionaries that we support. The second floor of their church will be used for kids' ministry and for women in crisis. Two other projects that we were able to support as a church was one called ER
1: Abroad. ER Abroad will be bringing an eye clinic to the Land of Hope to serve those people. We were also able to support a special needs orphanage in Guatemala, thanks to your generosity. For more information,
0: go to abt.church/outreach so we are all over the map we are doing everything we can we're finding people that are sharing the gospel engaging in the lives of the community reaching the next generation some of the groups that are outside in the lobby alaska correctional ministries beacon hill community pregnancy center uh, cops for community hope center love justice international and youth for christ they're out in the lobby right now i want you guys to again drop by but uh, ushers, as you're coming forward, I want to know you to know something. My mission, my goal of the deacons, we got together and we're like, we need to step up what it looks like for us to be in missions. And uh, just so you know, this uh, Wednesday night is our annual business meeting. We're gonna go over some of our finances and just talk to you about what we've done. But just a, a little sneak peek, we were able to give over $500,000 to missions this year. So we are really, really excited. So if you'd like to find out a little bit about more of what our church is all about, our, our, like I said, our business meeting will be on Wednesday night, uh, seven o'clock, we'll have a regular message and afterwards we will do our meeting. But I want you to know something. My, my real goal is to put a million dollars in the missions. Now I know that's crazy talk. Listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm a crazy talker, okay? So I apologize in advance. But I dream of the day that this church puts a million dollars a year in the missions. Now listen, that's gonna take all of us sacrificing. That's gonna take all of us thinking outside of the box. And so you'll notice on your Sunday morning news, on the top of it, there is a pledge card. And I just want you this entire month to be praying about what it would look like for us to reach a million dollars. Now we're already, like I said, with a Christmas miracle offering you guys did this year and a lot of the other stuff that we're already doing, uh, we were able to get to 500000 But for us to get to a million, it's gonna require $500,000 more. And it's hard to ask that at one time, right? Nobody's thinking, hey, I ain't got 50 grand in my pocket. Now, I mean, some of you might, so feel free. Uh, but for the rest of us, I'm gonna ask you to think about something. What would it look like uh, for us to just give $20 a week? $20 a week. You know, real, re- reality is that's two McDonald's meals for me. It shouldn't be too much. Or for some of you, it's a few coffees. You guys that are drinking, you know, 16 coffees a day. But the truth is this. Ask yourself the question. And and I don't want to ask like it's part of a big fundraising opportunity. What I want you to do is I want you to have a lifestyle of giving to missions. Above and beyond your, your tithes and offerings. The idea of what does it mean to be involved in missions, what it means for us to make a difference. And so I'm hoping that by the end of the month that we have $500,000 pledged this year for missions. It doesn't take much. 500 people given $20 a week, we could be there. So I just pray that you would be thinking about that, praying about that, asking what God would lay on your heart, because I'm telling you, we wanna be a church that's out there, not just in here. I want you to think about that. We wanna be a church that's out there not just in here, in every area of society, not just missionaries around the world, but every area of our community and engaging in in, in what it means to be part of a church. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we know this, that we have the resources. We just waste them on silly things. And Father, I pray that there would be just a conviction on our own hearts, my heart especially, that I would give up more for missions that I would be considering more what it means to be involved in things outside these walls. And so, Lord, I pray that our church would think the same. What does it look like for us, for you to use us to make an impact in our world? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, and I thank you for those that are here. And Lord, I thank you for those that we're gonna reach. And I thank you for your spirit moving upon us. In Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, amen.
1: Series on virtual reality, and uh, is my mic on all right uh, it 's a, it's a new series, brand new series uh, we 're so excited about it. Um, for those of you who do not know me or who i 've not had a chance to meet, my name is Calvin Hoffman, and I am on staff here uh, as an assistant pastor. I spend most of the, my time with the youth department, but every once in a while I get to be here and i 'm very, very, very excited about Uh, My message today uh, because it's a topic that I enjoy speaking about and I may indeed talk a little quicker than I usually do uh, because I have a lot of content and I already have a problem talking for a really long time, uh, let alone when I'm excited about a topic. Uh, But again, I just want to reiterate what um, Pastor Ron said. Uh, We just want to welcome you. um, For all of you who are here with us this morning, uh, whether you are a a member, a regular attender, or this is your first time with us, we we want to welcome you. Uh, We are very, very glad that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us. I love the topic of what I'm going to discuss uh, today so much that, um, in, in fact, at ACS, we are actually in a semester-long series on this topic. Uh, so I have lots of information. I've already preached about nine times on this topic, and I've been asked to consolidate everything that I've preached basically into one sermon. Um so all re- to pull out your phones, change your plans, uh everything you thought you had going on after church just cancel it. Um cuz we'll be here. We uh we used to have two services, we'll just have one long service that goes from Sunday morning to Sunday night. No worries. Um No, I I'm, I'm I'm really actually going to try to keep it concise. Okay, so uh I get to speak today on the topic of identity. Okay, and, and uh, we just came out of our, uh, our introductory sermon series for the year called Resolutions. And uh, during that time, we discussed the critical components of what it means for us to be the salt and the light of the world as we are commanded to be in Matthew chapter 5. And so you know, we kind of subtitled that a city on a hill because that's exactly what Jesus commands us to be, the salt and the light, like a city that is on a hill. We cannot be hidden. And so we went through the various aspects that we kind of identified that were maybe a little unique to us, but that were very, very critical components of us being the salt and the light, that city on a hill. And today uh, now starts a new series where we are going to dive into that first aspect of what it means to be a city on a hill, which is to know our identity, okay? And so we're going to spend the next uh, several weeks discussing our identity because it is our identity that ultimately determines what we do, how we think how we act, our attitudes, our mindsets, everything. Our identity is a key component, a critical component to who we are as the salt and the light. And a couple of weeks ago when I, when I spoke on Christian leadership, um, one of the points that I made in my sermon was how being the salt and the light is not a matter of striving. It's not something that we are trying to be. It's something we are. It is a matter of identity, of status. It's not something we have to work to accomplish. It's the reality of what Jesus has already predetermined we are supposed to function as. And so we then have to embrace that identity and live out that identity, but whether or not we do a good job or a bad job being the salt and the light doesn't change the fact that we are indeed the salt and the light. And so, again, I want to reiterate the the importance of every single person in this room understanding our identity. And so the identity that we are specifically going to talk about today is our identity as imagers of God. Okay, and and, and I'm going to explain that in much, much greater detail. Um, But before I I go into it, I just want to give you a mental map. Um, I love mental maps. Again, kind of trying to give you exactly where we're going. I'm going to tell you what... I'm going to say, and then I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to tell you what I said, and hopefully you guys will remember it, and it will sink in to the depth of your soul. So, mental map, okay? First, we're going to talk about virtual reality, and we're going to talk about various forms of reality and and alternate realities and how that affects our life. Then we're going to go into our God-given identity, and then we'll end with discussing the fallout of what happens in our life when we do not embrace our God-given identity. So first off, uh, let's start with virtual reality. But before I go in, I just want to pray over us uh, and ask God to really uh, move in our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit today. So would you bow with me all over the room? God, thank you so much for giving us the truth And teaching us through your word just what you intended this world to be. And though all over the place we see all different distortions of your reality, we know from the scriptures what you intended for this earth and for us And so, God, I just pray that that truth, that 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 story that's revealed to us in your word would be poured out on the minds of our people today and that we would walk out of this space completely transformed by the reality of the truth that you have for us. God, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place and into our hearts to convict us and to change anything in us that might need to be changed. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So um, virtual reality. Um, Oddly enough, I actually, you know, God works this way. Um, I was just down in in Nevada officiating um, a wedding for one of my longest friends and, and myself and the groomsmen, we had an afternoon and we, we had nothing to do. And so we were trying to brainstorm some ideas of things that we wanted to do. And uh, so one of the guys was like, hey, let's go to this VR, this virtual reality experience. And it's super cool. It's like a video game and it, it'll be great. So. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an awesome idea, right? And I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with with VR or virtual reality, but basically what you do is, you know, you put this headset on and you put these goggles on and then you think you're in a different world. And you know, some people really have no idea. They don't realize that it's fake. Like they, 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 they like forget for a minute. And I was actually just talking to Steven, He's like, yeah, my dad put those on one time and it was hilarious. But in, in, in this experience, it's, you don't just put a headset on and like play a game with your eyes. You don't just like stand here and, you know, move around like some of the things they have at arcades. In this experience, you put on these, these foot straps, you put on these hand straps, you put on this chest strap, this, this whole chest mechanism, you have eye goggles, you have headphones, and then you have this weapon and it's, it's just a, you know, a toy weapon. And then you go into this big open arena, it's pitch black. I mean, you don't know that because you have goggles on, but it's pitch black. And your objective is two versus two to eliminate the other players. And so you're in this big empty room, but when you have your goggles on, you think that you're in this like, uh, almost like a halo video game like map. And so two people start on one side of the map and two people start on the other side of the map. And when you know, the, the countdown on your goggles gets to zero, your objective is to navigate through all of the various barriers and different things to then find the other players and eliminate them. And if you get eliminated, you have to walk back to the start point of your base. You got to sit there for three seconds and then you revive and you go do it again. So, seems like a really cool concept, right? And you're in this, you know, experience, and you look at all the other players, and to you, they look like they've got, like, full Halo gear on. If, how many of you guys even know what Halo is? It's a video game? Okay, a decent amount of you. Good. All right. So, um, it, 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 it's really cool. The problem is that I unfortunately suffer, and, and I, I mean suffer, from extreme motion sickness. And I didn't used to when I was a kid, but just at some point in time, I got to the point where like, I can't spin around in circles without needing to take a seat. Like, it's bad. My daughter's always like, spin around with me. You know, she's got her dress on and she wants to spin. And I'm like, okay, you do that, I can't. I literally, one time in college had some friends and they were like, let's roll down this hill, which why we were doing that in college, I don't know, third graders do that. But we were rolling down a hill and it was at Snowflex and it was, it was ridiculous, it was a complete, bad decision because for the next 24 hours, I was absolutely miserable. I get extremely dizzy and extremely nauseous and I also hate vomiting, absolutely hate it. It's the worst thing on earth. I don't know why we have to do it. I will do everything in my power to keep from vomiting. And so the combination is horrible. So all of that being said, I get into this virtual reality experience and immediately I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good because the goggles, you have to keep the goggles like perfectly on your face or else there's like this little bit of a, a blur. So then it makes it even worse. But of course, with all the gear on and you're running around, they don't stay perfectly on your face. And so first, middle of the first seven minute round, I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know about this. I'm like, this doesn't feel good. First seven minutes is up. We get to the second minute, seven minutes. And I'm like, oh. I'm like taking my goggles off. I'm like looking around. I'm like, no way. This is actually what it looks Anyway, I, I'm like, I can't, I literally could not do it. And they had like these moving, um, well, in the, they didn't really have them. In your head, they had like these moving sidewalk things that like you think, oh, if I, if I step off of this, I'm gonna fall, but you're not, all right? And then it's not until you take the goggles off you're like, you have gotta be kidding. <laughs> it's literally the floor. And they had this elevator, there was this elevator, you like touch it and it like lifts you up and then it changes your view so that you lo- it looks like you're looking down on it. So then you're like looking down, you're- nothing is different. It's all in your head. It's completely in your head. By the third round, I literally was just like in the corner hiding. N- not trying to eliminate anybody just trying myself not to be eliminated so I didn't have to walk back to the start because I was going to throw up if I took another step it was it was legitimately horrible and I got out of it and the, the problem was it's not like everything's better when you take the glasses off cuz you take the glasses off and then you're like you know, like your body still thinks it's in the game trying to adjust to the game. So then you take it off and you're like, why is everything tilting sideways? And all your friends are like, what is wrong with you? You know, and I, 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 I literally, I had to go outside. I was like breathing fresh air. I was like, it's okay. And I was like, oh, it was miserable, absolutely miserable. I've learned my lesson. I will not attempt to go into any other VR experience. I am also very much by default no longer a candidate for civilian travel to space. Um, You know, at one point I thought that might be a cool idea. I I very much disagree. Uh, Now, nevertheless, the point I'm trying to make is that any reality that we as humans attempt to create, that is opposite or contrary to God's reality, leads to chaos, confusion and ultimately has consequences. Okay, I'll say that again. Any reality that we as humans attempt to create that is opposite or contrary to God's reality leads to chaos, confusion, and consequences. You see, truth, which we are going to discuss later on in in the year, truth is according to the scriptures, and and, and as said by Dr. Del Tackett, reality as it pertains to God. Okay, so truth is what God determines is real. It's what he established as right. And so truth is reality, real life, As God sees it, not as we interpret it, not as we want to shift it or or, or twist it. No, no. What God says is real. It is true. It is reality. And when we as humans try to alter that reality in any way, it causes confusion. It causes chaos. And ultimately there are consequences. And you see, that's exactly what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to manipulate God's reality, truth, and confuse us in any and every way possible so that we do not live in truth, but we live in chaos, We don't have right and wrong, clear understanding, purpose, intentionality, and meaning. We have no idea what to do. And that's exactly his goal. His goal is to deceive us away from truth because truth is reality and reality leads to life and peace and joy and eternal salvation. And he of course doesn't want that. And so i want to give you some examples, right? Like just a modern practical example. We live in a world where identity confusion is extremely prevalent. Everywhere you look, there is all kinds of identity confusion. We have identity theft. We have midlife crisis, identity crises. We have sexual identity confusion, gender confusion. There's all kinds of confusion because what is screaming out in the hearts of people is, who am I? Who am I? What am I doing here? Why do I exist? Am I really just a a random chance of billions of years of evolution that just so happened to make me the result of my desires and lusts and cravings? Or is there something more? And so everybody's asking themselves the question, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What's my purpose? Where's my value? And I'm just gonna—I want to read for a second. Um, this is derived from the, the uh, Mayo Clinic's website. I just want to read um, a list of mental illnesses. And, and, and this is relevant because so much of our identity is tied to the, the knowledge that we have and what we accept within our brain of who we are. And so when we don't have a God-given identity founded on the Word of God, then our mind goes into chaos constantly trying to figure out and establish who we are. And so it leads to all kinds of illnesses. And so these, this list that I'm about to read is, is the categories of mental illnesses. This is this is not um, an exhaustive list. This is simply the categories. Okay, so you have neurodevelopmental disorders, schizophrenia spectrum, and other psychotic disorders bipolar and related disorders, depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive and related disorders, trauma and stressor related disorders, disassociative disorders, somatic symptom and related disorders, feeding and eating disorders, elimination disorders, sleep and wake disorders, sexual dysfunctions, gender dysphoria, disruptive impulsive control and conduct disorders, substance related and addictive disorders, neurocognitive disorders, personality disorders, paraphilic disorders, and other mental disorders. Wow! We are really messed up. In, in all of these categories, th- th- these categories are the world's attempt to try to, to, try to put their words to or, or to wrap their minds around sin. And and what I'm I'm, I'm not saying is that if you suffer from mental illness, you have sin or you are a sinner because of it. What I'm saying is all the mental illnesses that we have are a result of sin because sin comes out of identity crisis. And so we look into the world and we have chaos everywhere. We've got confusion everywhere. Everywhere We have every culture and race and, and, and people group trying to decide what is true, what is good, what is right. We have got everything. And, we, and we've got one gender that hates another gender, and then we've got a million genders, and then we, we, we have all of these ways that we're trying to categorize and wrap our mind around sin. And, and the problem is, we don't actually then look to the the source of truth. We just go to other forms of alternate reality to try to ground ourselves, and then it just leads to more confusion, more chaos. And so the question that that we must then ask is, well, what is our identity? What is our identity? Identity, and so very briefly, I just want to you know define identity. Uh, Identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Okay, and so just for a minute, and and I'm not saying this, uh, just you are a human. You are a human being. You are not an animal. You are a human and you were created very intentionally and very specifically for a purpose. Every single human is created either male or female. And it does not matter what you feel or what you think, that is truth. Because it is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. If you are a mother, then guess what? Every single day when you wake up, you're a mother. Now you may wake up and say, I do not wanna be a mother today. I am over it. Kids, you can wipe your own behinds. I'm not doing it one more time. But that doesn't change the fact that you're a mother. Children, same thing. If you were here, you were birthed from somebody, okay? You are a child. It is part of who you are. You can't change it. You might say, I don't want those parents or maybe your, your parents said, I don't want you. And that, that's a different story. That's still a, a, a various alternate form of reality. But nevertheless, you are a child at one point and your parents may have passed, but you were a child. And so there are very, there are things within nature that are by, by, by definition, real. Trees are trees, water is water. And yes, you know, science, we can change all this stuff, but there, there are things about identity is the fact of who or what a person or thing is. You could also say the condition or character as to who a person is, the qualities, beliefs, etc. that distinguish or identify a person or thing. And that's just a, a deeper understanding. But ultimately, we must realize and remember that anytime time we try to take our identity, the fact of who we are, and we try to shift it and change it, and create some form of alternate reality where we're something that we're not, it leads to confusion, chaos, and ultimately there are consequences. So step number two in our mental map, we are gonna discuss now what is our God-given identity. And so for that, we must turn to the scriptures, the source of ultimate truth, and we must go into the story of the scriptures before any kind of confusion, chaos, sin, or alternate reality was proposed to us. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I would uh, really appreciate it if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. If you don't, it's all right, it will be on the screen. Um, but Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read a very famous passage of Scripture. And uh, we're going to read, starting in verse 26, we're going to read through uh, verse 31. It says this Then God said, Okay, so this is day six of his creation and this is after he has already created the other animals on the earth. And it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. Okay, and that passage right there that's highlighted is specifically relevant because the mandate of what we were supposed to do ties back to our creation order of who we were. And so I will draw your attention to that later. That being said, I wanna turn your attention back to verse 26, okay? And and I wanna just, uh, verse 26 and 27, and again, it's highlighted on the screens. uh, Yeah, right there. Um, It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created man in his own image. And and many, many people, and and I've heard it myself, many, many people try to come up with what they uh, believe that means, or they try to come up with an understanding or a description of what it means for us to be made in his image and and generally speaking uh, they they use things like well, because we have uh, mental capacity to, to reason. Or we can communicate through language. Uh, that means that that's how we are com- uh, you know, made in the image of God. Or people will say things like, well, we have self-awareness. We have this sentience. We know and can ponder our existence in the cosmos. And so that, that makes us unique. And some people will say, oh, well, we have free will. And because we have free will, that is what makes us, uh, you know, made in the image of God. And some people are like, well, no, we have a soul. And, and you know, because you know, animals kind of have free will, or at least we think we do, or is it all instinct and, and reflex? We don't know, but, you know. And so it's not about that, it's about having a soul, this eternal aspect to our being. And so, you know, there's all these reasons why, or how people try to explain what it means for us to be made in the image of God. And, and there's just a couple of problems with using these things to define what's being said. And, and it's two parts. One, if any non-human life form ever exhibits any of these characteristics that you see on the screen, does that make it made in the image of God? So for example, if you know, an animal, like let's say a dog, cause I know there's some dog lovers in here and I know you think your dog has emotions for you. If your dog ever seems to indicate or show any emotion, does that mean it's made in the image of God? If, if, if any uh, animal that ever existed seemed to act, not out of instinct, but actually had, had a, a, a reasonable response would that make it made in the image of God? How many of you guys have seen uh, the Jurassic Park World series? Any of, some of you? Okay, it, it, one of the things in there is that like, they, they believe that Blue has like this ability to reason and think outside of just instinct. And she's this, this beautiful creature because she has this intelligent life, right? So, But would, would that make that animal made in the image of God? Well, of course not. We would say, well, no, it's different, but I'll take it a step further even uh, you know, human life. I-, I would hope that every single person in this room believes in the sanctity of life and, and believes that-, that life is special and is unique and is created in the image of God, and therefore life, when it begins at conception, when it becomes two individual beings into a one new unique being, that it is special, made in the image of God, and it is for the purpose of fulfilling God's plan for its life. And so though it cannot protect itself, we should protect it because life has sanctity. But let's just take for a minute a, a simple-celled zygote in, in, in the mother's womb— And let's just look at this list of things that people generally use to explain what it means to be made in the image of God. And let's say, does that simple-celled unique still organism have intelligence, reasoning ability, self-awareness, emotion, the ability to commune with God or with other people, the the presence of a soul or a conscious or a free will. I mean, if it can't list those things, are we saying that 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 form in, in in a mother's womb is no longer life? Well, of course not. We would say, well, no, but it will grow into that. But the, but the, but what we are saying is that so then that's not necessarily in the image of God. It has the potential for being the image of God, and what we w- we would say, well, no, it can't be that, because then that would mean that it's not the image of God just yet, but that it will be. And so when we use these things to explain what it means to be in the image of God, we run into some philosophical problems. And so the point that I want to make is that being made in the image of God is not a matter of ability, but identity. It's not a matter of what we can do. It's a matter of who we are. Because if any human at any point, whether handicapped or non-handicapped, couldn't be any of those things that we just said, would they be any less of the image of God? Absolutely not. And so being created by God in his image is not a matter of what we can do or some ability that we possess, but it is a matter of who we are are a status that makes us unique from all other creation. And and then I wanna explain the point as such. You see, in the English language, Uh, We have several different uses of the word in, and it can be a noun, it could be a preposition, it could be, I think, an adjective and an adverb, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me later. Um, But it it has various different uses. And so, you know, to give an example, uh, you know, I could say, hey, Hadley, go put the trash in the trash can or put the dishes in the sink. And the word in is used to help explain a location in the sink, not on the trash can, not by the trash can, not around the trash can, in the trash can, right? And sometimes she gets it confused. So you gotta be very specific. Or you could say, I broke the mirror in pieces. And the word in is used to help explain the result or the, the, what happened as a consequence of me breaking the mirror. It's in pieces. And another way that you could use the word in is to say, I work in education. It's a field of operation. I, in other words, you could say, I work as an educator. And that final use that I just explained is is similar to what we could understand in this translation of Genesis, where it's God created us as his imagers. It is a status of existence He created us after his likeness. And so what that means is that we, human beings, unique creation were created different from all the other life we see on this earth to be the physical, tangible manifestation of God's divine presence and authority on this earth. We were created Formed out of the dirt, to then elevate it into a status of God's divine royal imagers, His image, and and there's there's lots of literature on this. And one of the, um, the, the simplest, best explanations of this comes in a, in a book called Biblical Theology um, by the author Hamilton. And he explains this idea and, and he uses an example of, of, uh, of a temple, right? And, 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 and throughout the scriptures, um, the, the concept or the theme of temple is seen everywhere. And th- the understanding is that, that the garden in Eden that God planted was designed to be his temple. A temple is a dwelling place of a God. And so of all the places on the earth, he planted a garden in Eden. And he placed in his temple physical, I'm gonna use the word idols, but we're not idols, but images of himself just like we see all over the world with pagan gods, how people craft these images of the God that they think they're worshiping. They don't actually know what it looks like, but they they craft these images and then they bow down and they worship these idols. God created us human beings as his image on earth. And it is a status and identity that every human being possesses where within our very inception as creations, we were intended by God to represent Him, to be the physical embodiment of His love, His character, His justice, His grace, His kindness, His mercy, His holiness. And we, in relationship with God, because that's how it was intended to be like it was in the garden where Adam and Eve walked with God, we were intended to be in relationship with God. We were intended to know God and then live out his characteristics in our dominion over the earth, like I mentioned, because we as humans were given dominion over the earth. God exercises his sovereign dominion over the cosmos, and he elected us, human beings, his Imagers to have dominion over the earth, the physical world, and to do so in his love and character and kindness and grace and mercy and justice, the character traits of God. It is our creation order to be the image of the invisible God to the earth. But what happened? I mean, if that's what human beings were created for, what happened? How, How did we get to a place where the world is full of everything that seems opposite of the character of God? And that leads us to the third part of our mental map, the fallout. You see, in the beginning if we continued to read in the story of Genesis, we would see that one of God's divine spiritual beings came to Adam and Eve and he proposed an alternate reality to them. He came to them and he said, hey, I, I, know, that, I know that God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God's lying to you. His his truth, his version of reality is not what's best for you. Because if you eat from that tree, just imagine the reality of what your life could be. You could be like God. You you don't have to be his imager. You could be your own imager. You, You could use your creation, You could use your status, your ability, your gifts, everything that God gave you to reflect him, you could actually use that for yourself. And and so immediately, Adam and Eve look at the fruit and they see that it seems really delicious. And and that thought of living in an alternate reality where their God, not the image of God, seems pretty enticing. And so, in fact, That's what they do is they they take from that tree, the forbidden fruit, and they choose a reality opposite of God's reality. And then immediately they realize, what have we done? We're naked, what what happened? Where where did this guilt come from? Where did this shame come from? Where, Where did this embarrassment come from? We're no longer the image of God. We've, we've taken that and we've distorted that and we've ruined that. And now we got to hide from God. And, and, and the thing is, that's exactly what the devil did is the devil, the serpent did the exact same thing. He did not want to be what God created him to be. He wanted to be God. And so after he makes the decision to rebel against God, he goes to the humans to convince him to do the same thing. And now we live in a world where the devil and his demons for thousands of years have been pulling the same exact trick on all of us. Hey, don't do it God's way. Don't, don't reflect his character, reflect your own. You do you, man. Get that promotion, get that house, get that status, get that girl, get that family, get that, get that boat. Get whatever you want. You, it's your life. Man, live it to the fullest. Use your free will. Use your talent, your ability. Use it for you and do what you want. And so many humans are like, yeah, that sounds very good. I get to do what I want. What's right in my own eyes. I don't have to listen to God. And then so we see the fallout, we see nation rising against nation and people against people, race against race, gender against gender, we see all kinds of hatred because everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. They're all living in their own form of virtual reality. And the problem is my virtual reality conflicts with your virtual reality. So we got some problems because you see your virtual reality that you're chasing after that the devil's convinced you is right actually directly gets in the way of mine. And so that's a problem. And now you're my enemy because I don't like you because you're getting in the way of my virtual reality, the the alternate reality that I'm trying to experience, that I'm trying to hold on to, that I want. And so then we have animosity and we have hatred. And then we get into a marriage and then the devil's like, dude, is this really what you wanted? You're tied down, you gotta have kids. Man, you gotta get out of this. You gotta get out of there. Don't do that, right? And so then the devil takes us to another reality and, and it's never ending because all he's trying to do is to convince all of us to be in chaos and confusion instead of just accepting truth, that we are here on this earth, we exist for God, not us. Your life's not about you, it never was. The reason human beings, the entire human race exists is to be the image of God and to subdue the earth and cultivate the earth and bring life to the earth in the character and nature of the one who created us. To bring goodness, truth and beauty in everything. And yet, all we care about is us, ourselves, what we wanna do. You see, the devil and all the demonic forces that rule this earth are hard at work to continue deceiving humans into choosing an identity alternative to the one God gave them. And that's why Ephesians says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of the darkness of this earth that rule the air because we live in a world where there are invisible spiritual forces hard at work to, to get your attention and to say, hey, don't, don't do what the Word of God says. Hey, 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 don't read the Bible where you actually might know truth. Spend hours on social media where I can subtly convince you that everything on there is actually what you want. When in fact it's fake. You ever heard of a filter? Literally the definition of Fake. It doesn't exist. The perfect world doesn't exist outside of God's reality. But the devil will do everything he can to keep us from choosing God's reality. And so he distracts us. And he feeds our flesh. Oh, he just, he gives us the things that make us want to satisfy ourselves even more. So then we get so addicted to feeding our flesh that we can't get out of it and choose to live by the Spirit and actually be who we were created to be. And and my hope is that every single one of us would just stop for a minute and and just ponder what God intended you to be that you would stop for a moment and, 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 and like the psalmist said, who, who am I that you are mindful of me? And yet you gave me the task and the glory, the status of being your imager, of reflecting your character and your authority on this earth. Like, that is a life-altering reality. One that makes us go, man, I'm going to, i got to be different. Or like, I've got to be a different dad if it's my identity to be the image of God in the way that I parent. Right? Like, i got to put my anger away. I got I to gotta put my quick reactions away. I got to put my stress away and I got to love that human being in such a way that they know the character of God by the way that I parent them. Like imagine if every parent, all they thought about was how can I teach my kids about the character traits of God by the way that I parent them? Man, my kid's gonna know the character of God. He's gonna know the love of God. He's gonna know the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God. He's gonna know the character of God because I just, I just show that so much to them. Oh man, my spouse, they're gonna look at me and they're going to just see God because I love them so well. I lay my life down for them, the way Jesus laid his life down for us, I, I am going to sacrifice. I am going to put my flesh to death, and I am going to show them the character of God, the image of God, in the way that I'm a spouse, in the way that you're an employer or an employee or a friend, you name it. Because the implications of human beings actually being what they were created to be are Endless. The world would be a different place if human beings did what they were created to do. Like we know, the problem is we don't. We didn't in the past or in the present. And we have a sin nature. And there is a presence of an enemy. And so what do we do about all that? And for that, you'll have to come back next week because that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the series. But church, I want to end, I want to end with this embrace your God-given identity.